Father, we thank you that uh, we can sing a song like that, asking you to continue to peel the layers that blind us from all that you're doing, all in which you are at work in the world around us, Father. Help us to join that work. Help us to uh, be available to you, open our eyes to see what we can do to be a part of your program, of your advancing kingdom. Uh, We don't want to be spectators, Father. We want to um, be on the field um, and, and be used of you. And so we ask that you would do that. In the next few moments, as we look into your word, we ask that you would use your word to uh, expose what we're not, and by your grace, give us what we need so that we can be what we're supposed to be. Uh, Use your scripture to do that, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you will, I'd like to ask you to grab a hold of your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles in front of you, or, or download an app on your phone. Okay, no excuses. Uh, Bible's everywhere, right? And we want to make sure that we don't come to listen to some guy talk. We want to make sure that we come and agree with what's said as long as it's agreeing with what's written. Amen? Uh, Authority doesn't come from me or or this mic. Uh, It comes from here. And what we've been doing the past couple weeks is going to passages in the Old Testament promises that God made to people so far removed from us that we hard, find a hard time connecting with them and seeing how it's relevant to Christmas and how it makes Christmas relevant. Actually, there's a, a passage um, in uh, 2 Corinthians 1.20. It says that all the promises of God find their yes in Jesus Christ. All of God's promises find their yes in Jesus. So even when you're reading the Old Testament, you're like, and God called so-and-so and made a promise to him. And, and you keep reading and you're like, I just don't get what this has to do. He's talking about Jesus. It, it, it relates to Jesus and it all barrels down toward Christmas and him coming. And so it's highly relevant. And so we want to kind of get a fresh perspective on Christmas by looking at some of these older passages. right? And before we look at um, the passage that we have for today, um, I don't know if this game has a particular name. But when we were kids, you would play that game, like pass it on, and you would have like a row of kids, and there's a message on one end, right? And then you pass it to the next person, and and they pass it to the next person, then it eventually gets to the other end. You remember that game? Okay. Um, Telephone? Okay. All right. Now now we just call it cell? Is that how we... (laughs) Now it's just... Let's play the app game. Okay. Okay. the, the f- most foundational rule to that game is not to try to get the same message on the other end as in the beginning. That's the goal, right? The goal of the game is to try to get that message at the last person to sound as close as possible to the message as it was originally given to the first person. That's the aim. But that's not the rule. If we were to gather together and we go, okay, what's the ground rules? What's the rule? There's only one rule. Sit down. And pass the message that's given to you. That's the rule, right? It's not complicated. It's not musical chairs. There's no timeouts. There's no like, hold on, let's huddle and think about our strategy. There's no strategy. Take the message that was given to you and pass it to the next person. And what I want to submit to you guys today is if if you don't take the message of Christmas and somehow, some way, pass it on to somebody else, you miss Christmas. You miss the ground rule. 
you miss the, the, the basic rule of what Christmas is all about. And to show you that, I want to take you to Genesis. Genesis chapter 12. If you turn there with me, I want to look at God's conversation, God's promise, God's covenant with Abram. Genesis chapter 12. We've been in Genesis because we started with God's promise in the garden to Adam and Eve. You remember that one? And then after that, God uh, sends a flood. He rescues Noah and his family, right? Then the flood subsides. Noah and his family comes out, and they're told to produce and be fruitful and multiply. And so they start having kids, and, and, and Noah had, had uh, Shem, and Shem has descendants. And in chapter 11, it kind of follows the descendants, and then you end up with this man, Abram. Now, this man, Abram, just like God saw Noah and saw that he was righteous, and pulled him aside and said, hey, I'm going to do something special with you. Everyone else is going to suffer my wrath, but you're going to be saved. Now, out of that ark, out of the people that are descendants from that family, God says, I'm not going to ever destroy the whole earth again. But I need, a, I need to pick someone that's going to that be, produce a line for me that's going to be special. Following? He picks one man, like he did with Noah. But rather than saving him from destruction, he picks one man to produce a people for a very particular purpose. Okay? And so that's why he pulls Abram aside. And let's look at chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great. So that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Okay, so that's the promise that God made to Abram. He pulled him aside and said, I'm going to make you into a great nation. You don't even have any kids yet. You're going to be a great nation. And out of that nation, all the other nations of the world will be blessed. Okay, so for some of us, this is like an overly familiar passage. Some of us, maybe we haven't visited this in a while. But it's, it starts pretty simply. Pulls this guy aside. This is a man of faith. This is a man who, if he tells him, I want you to just pack up and leave, He's the type of guy that just pack up and leave. He obeys God. He has faith in God. The Bible tells us because he had faith in God, God credited to him as righteousness. And so Abraham's faith was his righteousness. He was a righteous man. And God says, I'm going to create a nation out of you. And out of that nation, the world will be blessed. All the other nations will be blessed. So as you continue reading, we're not going to read all of it. He starts to unfold it a little bit. For Abram, he changes his name to Abraham, gives him a name, name change. Um, Abram at first thought, well, um, my, we're so old, you know, my wife and I are so old, that's not going to happen. So he kind of took things into his own hands. And I know it's real scandalous, like a Desperate Housewives episode. I wouldn't know because I don't, I don't watch it. But, you know, just one of these, you know, kind of weird situations where he grabs another woman who's in the house and just uses her as, as, a, as a way to produce a child since my wife couldn't. And that just causes problems, right? Those of you who've read the Bible, you're like, there's a lot of drama here. You know, Sarah doesn't really like Hagar and they're not really friends because Hagar produced the child that Sarah couldn't produce. And, and there's animosity there and it's a mess. So then God steps in and he's like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> I, I didn't say go start, you know, 
sleeping with people that aren't your wife and producing heirs to people that aren't your wife. That, that's, not what I, that's not what I said. You will produce a, an heir through Sarah, your wife. And so Abraham's like, well, what do we do with Ishmael? <laughs> I already have this kid now. And what's cool about it, guys, you know, God doesn't go, well, I don't care. I don't care. He can just go somewhere. He can just. He's like, no, no, no. I'll make them a great nation. Isn't that interesting? He, he's creating a nation, a special nation. But what is not happening is God's going, out of all the people in the world, I'm going to just create a little favorite people and just show everybody else how, heh, you know, I don't want anything to do with you. I just want this people. Well, that would contradict the original promise, wouldn't it? The reason why I'm picking a people is to bless all the other people. Right? <laughs> right there in, in chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, what we just read. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that there's a purpose. The ultimate purpose isn't to have a special people, guys. The ultimate purpose of choosing a people is so that... Uh, I lost my place. I'm going to start needing bigger font in a minute here. Uh, I'm getting old. Okay, so that you will be a blessing. Well, to who? Well, look, people who bless you, I'm going to bless. People who dishonor you, I'm going to curse. But in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So when Abraham goes, but I have this other kid. Well, I'm going to make nations out of him, and he will be blessed. But he's going to be blessed by the people that I'm going to produce through you and Sarah and the child named Isaac. Okay, So he's unfo- it's the same promise as verse 1 and 2. He's just unpacking it a little bit. He's, he's unfolding the details a little bit more. And then you start reading a little bit further, and then he gives him a sign. Now, you guys remember when he made a covenant with Noah, there was a sign, right? He said, I'm never going to flood the earth again. I'm never going to destroy all the people on the face of the earth with water again. And I'm going to give you a sign to remind you that this is the promise. What was that sign? Rainbow. Why a rainbow? Okay, why not, um, I don't know, a mountain or a certain animal? Create a certain animal that just walks around and something about that animal reminds you. Well, rain came from the clouds, so the sign is in the clouds. And I don't know how, you know, what they knew. Obviously, God knew, but what a rainbow consists of. You can't touch it, you can't grab it, but it's water. And light shining through the waters, creating prisms, that's what creates the rainbow. So it's a symbol of water to remind us of what he's not going to do with water anymore. Right? So the sign of a covenant always connects. Now the sign of this covenant is circumcision. And that one I'm not going to get as detailed as prisms and water and stuff. But the sign was circumcision. And the reason why was because the promise was connected so the first promise we looked at where Eve would produce a seed. Remember, he said Eve is going to produce a seed who eventually will conquer Satan. And so Eve had kids culminating in Noah. Everyone else got wiped out, but that's still being carried. Noah gets rescued. Noah has a kid. Uh, eventually kids have kids and it has Abraham. God grabs Abraham and says, now out of you, I'm continuing this promise. And I'm making it a little bit more specific now. It's going to be through a nation. And the seed is going to come through a nation, and that's how the world is going to be blessed. And so it's not just a random sign. It's just this air producing an air producing an air, which will culminate in the seed that was promised in Genesis 3. And so this is, a, this is a promise, not just for a people, but so that the people can make a difference 
in the world. Right? But it's easy to read and just, well, God, okay, God has a favorite people. Maybe we have to unpack the word favorite. He chose a people so that those people can be a blessing to all the other people around them. So he's not taking people and saying, forget everyone else. It's the opposite. It's, he's reversing the, the flood. He's saying, I'm not going to destroy everyone. I want to bless everyone. But how am I going to do this? Here's the plan. Choose a man. He's going to have kids who have kids. They become a nation. And that nation is going to produce this promise that I was referring to in Genesis 3. Okay, so that's, that's how it unfolds. That's what the covenant looks like. And that's why it has to do with Christmas. Um, how would this nation bless everybody? How would they bless everyone around him? Um, he takes Isaac, when he has Isaac, and Isaac's you know, a young man, and God does something weird. And you remember this, most of you. He, he tells him, I want you to take Isaac, this one that I told you I'd give you, and this one that I told you would produce a nation, and this one that would produce the nation that would bless the world, transform the world. I want you to take him to a mountain and kill him. This will be your act of worship to me. This is how I know you'll be faithful to me. This is how I know you're really obedient, Abram. I know you left your family and your home and your country and you're obedient, but this is going to really show. I want you to take this son and sacrifice him. Not dedicate him. Not like, Lord, he's yours, do what you want. Like literally kill him. And when you're reading that in Genesis, you're like, man, this is crazy. Why would God promise him this thing and the next minute kill that promise? There's no Isaac number two. There's no Isaac Jr. It's just Isaac. If you kill Isaac, it, the, the promise is over or it needs to be reconfigured somehow. Then there's a passage in Hebrews when the author of Hebrews is going through the hall of faith. Like some of you might be able to go through your favorite football players of all time. Okay, this is like the favorite heroes of the faith of all time. And Abraham's in there. And describing how awesome Abraham was, how, how righteous he was, how his faith was. It says, Abraham knew that when he killed Isaac, God would raise him from the dead. Now, had that ever been done before? No, but he just was putting two and two together. If he said there's going to be this promise, and it's going to happen through Isaac, plus he asked me to kill Isaac, but the promise is still going to happen, then obviously he has to raise Isaac from the dead. And then last minute, as he's raising the knife, the angel stops him and says, now I know you're obedient. Guys, what was that all about? You know, is that just like a, like a, I don't know, a sadistic ploy to just, you know, see if he would do it? Did God really know he would do it? Was God like, I just don't get it. I thought he was righteous and now I'm not sure anymore. Let me see if he'd sacrifice his son. You know, let me see if I would, if I, maybe I'll pretend like I'm going to back out on my promise. Does that sound like God, you know? Or is it all pointing to something else? That one seed would be sacrificed and raised again. And the author of Hebrews tells us, even though he didn't actually die, figuratively he was raised for the dead. Abraham already had it in his mind. This kid's dead. I've got to kill him today. But it must be that he rises from the grave. It must be that he comes alive again. author of Hebrews tells us Abraham had that in his mind. That, it, that that's what would happen. So figuratively, Isaac did come back from the, the grave. What is all that pointing to? Your one and only son, all the hope of the world is vested in this child. 
all the hope in the world is invested in this, this, this man. And he's the only one. And the father loves him so. But he loves something else great enough that he would do that. And then he would sacrifice him. But there's still hope because even knowing that he's going to be sacrificed, you know that he can be raised from the dead and still continue the promise. What is that passage really about? That, that's got Jesus written all over it, all over it. You remember those disciples? They were walking to Emmaus. This is after Jesus rose from the dead. And he, he hears them talking about this prophecy, Messiah, this whole Jesus thing. What is all this about? And he's like, all right, let me, help, let me school these guys for a minute. And so he walks next to them. He walks with them to Emmaus. He's on the road walking with them. They don't recognize who he is. And he opened the scripture to them, which at that time was the Old Testament, because the New Testament hadn't been written yet. He takes the Old Testament. The irrelevant, stuffy God and the stuff that we kind of don't like sometimes or is uncomfortable to read. He takes those books and starts going through them one at a time and shows them how all of those passages have to do with Jesus. And, and then, he, then right when they recognize, wait a minute, he's Jesus. And they look and he's gone. And then when they get to town and tell people about it and they said, didn't our hearts burn within us when he was talking to us? I mean, if God is at work in your life and you're looking at this passage, you're looking at promises and you're going, I get it. I get how it connects to Jesus Christ. And then you look at the manger scene and you're like, now I'm getting Christmas a little bit better. And your heart is burning within you because you see that it's not just a random stories just strung together just, you know, so we can have stories to tell at Christmas time. This isn't just so we can have traditions with, you know, shiny paper and ribbons and so we can get together and have stuff our faces and drink eggnog. This is about something so much Beyond that, that your heart burns within you and you start realizing, well, this is a promise that God is carrying out, carrying through. And it, it has everything to do with today. It has everything to do with me. It has everything to do with us. It has everything to do with all the nations. Because right back in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, he grabbed Abram through which Jesus would be born and said, I'm going to make you into a nation. Why? Why would you do that, God? So that the other nations could be blessed. The next question is, well, how does, how does Jesus being born through a nation and coming into Christmas, how does that bless the world? Does it bless the world with a holiday to have in December? Does it bless the world with, you know, so that people are nice, so we can have like Salvation Army and ring bells and collect stuff and give people shoes and clothe people? Well, that's part of it, right? That's part of it, meeting needs and having compassion on people. But is that really going to bless the world? What's going to stop a flood from happening again? How can God say, I'm not going to destroy it anymore? Does God decide, I'm not going to be mad at sin anymore? I just, never mind, never mind. I just, you know what, do what you want. No. Something has to happen so that he won't have to flood everybody again. There has to be an ark. There has to be some way to stick the faithful people in it so that when the wrath comes, not a flood, this time fire, there's a protection. And that protection is Jesus Christ. And everyone, no matter where you're born or where you're from, you're in trouble if you don't know Jesus Christ. But if you know Jesus Christ, there's a refuge for you. You don't have to be Jewish. You don't have to be from Abraham's line. You just have to be blessed from the product of that line. You have to know Jesus Christ. And anyone can know him. Well, how do people know him? We take it to them. Right? <laughs> I mean, this is one of our problems. It, it, Paul tells us, he writes it, we have to take it to them, guys. If we don't take it to them, they won't hear it. If they don't hear it, they won't know him. If they don't know him, they're not saved. So we have to send 
Missionaries, we, we have to send missionaries out. But we live in a day and age where all those nations are here. You know, right now, after, after we wrap up here, and you ask your spouse, what do you feel like eating, honey? Let's eat out. Well, what do you feel like? Do you want Italian? Wait, you want Indian? Do you want Mexican? We could do Filipino. Oh, there's a nice Thai place. What kind of place do we live in? The world is here. All the nations in the world, well, not every single tribe and people group, but these nations around the world are represented here. They're, they're here. They're your customers. They're your neighbors. They're in your, your uh, PTO group at school. They're the parents of the kids that play with your kid at school. They're your employers. They're the people you talk to on the phone. You know, when you need help with something, they're, they're the people at the registers when you ring up at Walmart. All the nations are here, and they, they're to be blessed with the message of Jesus Christ. Now, here's what happened, guys. God called Abraham. Abraham had a people. Jesus came, and that people rejected Jesus. Okay? That's, that's the storyline of the Bible. So then Paul becomes one of the apostles, one of the disciples, and he takes the message to the Gentile world. People start getting saved. You guys know the story of Pentecost. Thousands are coming to the Lord. And they start carrying out the mission that Jesus gave to the 12 disciples, which is to take this message and proclaim it, proclaim it to the world. The world needs to hear this message, guys. The world is not going to be blessed by simple invitations. You know, like the invitation that, uh, that, that, uh, that Bill had that, was, that showed us and we have it. That's not the blessing. Even them coming to a candlelight service and holding the little candles and trying not to get the, the wax on the pew in front of them, singing songs, that's, that's not going to bless them. That's nice. That's not going to bless them. They need to come and get what Jesus is about because only Jesus could be the blessing that God originally promised. The promise to Noah, the promise to Adam and Eve, the promise to Abraham. Next week, we'll look at the promise to David. They all have to do with Jesus, guys. It's all about Jesus Christ. I sent out a tweet last week because everyone's talking about gun control laws and liberals are going this way and conservatives are going that way in the wake of this tragedy in, in Connecticut. And, and I just felt, you know what, this isn't a time to, to, to like tout your ideology or like, see, guys, this is why my political view is correct. But the gospel, Yes. This is the time to promote the gospel. What other relevant time is there? Don't be gun-shy about Jesus because people are grieving. Be more, have more incentive because people are grieving. Well, how else can we be comforted? How else can there be any kind of sense or any kind of meaning or purpose out of any tragedy in life if there isn't meaning and purpose at all? But if all of history and all of our timeline is barreling down toward one purpose, which is the glorification and reign of Jesus Christ, and people need to know this, guys. People need to know this. Why celebrate Christmas if we're going to share the message of Christmas? The whole reason why that baby was born is so that he can be shared with the world. That's how the world would be blessed. Christmas is supposed to bless the world. Now, Israel had a problem. They kept it to themselves. Now, when Jesus was actually born, and he's hanging out with sinners, and he's talking to Samaritans, he's like, whoa, whoa. They're like, whoa. It's like you're not acting like one of us. You know, you're not staying in the fold. You're kind of like breaking the lines and stuff. And he's like, guys, you don't get it. And I wanted you to be the carriers of the message, but you're dropping the ball. Okay, now we have the church. 
It's got Jews, it's got non-Jews, it's got all kinds of people from all kinds of languages and nations and tribes. But as a church, sometimes we can fall into that. We have our own little services, our own little Christmas times, our own little traditions, and we, we kind of, we don't want to keep anybody out. If somebody comes through the door, that's great, but, but we don't really go out and get. We don't really go out and seek. We don't really go try to find them. You know, we, we, don't, we don't have that incentive. We need to realize that's what Christmas is about. God is a missionary God. You guys know how to prepare for a mission trip, right? Even if you've never been on one, you probably have a pretty good idea. You know, um, in... Um, in May, I'm supposed to go to Serbia. I'll go be going to Serbia with a couple of guys and talk to some pastors. Guys, I don't know anything about Serbia. <laughs> I was talking with a couple of guys last night. I'm like, you know what? I, I need to do some research. I don't, how am I going to go over there and tell these Serbian pastors how to reach Serbian people? Who am I? I don't know. <laughs> I might have a couple tips on preaching, guys. That, that's it. But I, 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 have to, I have to understand their context a little bit. A missionary can't go to some island in the middle of nowhere and help them become Americans. That's not what missionaries do. Missionaries help them be Christians in that place in which they live. You have to learn that culture, learn the context. And so this is the ultimate missionary act. How can God understand death? How can God understand suffering? How can God understand the temptations I have to deal with? Oh, he understands. Because he doesn't just send the message. He took on flesh, became the message, and lived in our world. He became the Roman to the Romans and the Jew to the Jew. I mean, he, he fulfilled what Paul was talking about prior to it and became a man and lived a life in this rotten, cruddy world. And so he knows it. He knows it. And this is the ultimate act, ultimate missionary act to send his son into this world. And the purpose of it, guys, is so that we can take that. And besides worshiping him vertically, is to spread the message horizontally and take that message of Jesus Christ's birth the meaning of it, and share it. Share it to those who, who don't know it or don't understand it or need to understand it better. We, we share it. When we keep it to ourselves, we're missing Christmas. You know, we're, we're missing it completely. God stepped out of bounds. Look at this verse one more time. Genesis 12.1. And I want to see if you find an echo in what Jesus taught his disciples, how Jesus taught his disciples to live. Here's the father calling Abram. The Lord said to Abram, okay, you're in your country. You're in your country. I want you to get out. And I know you really love your kindred because you cook the same food and you eat familiar food and you love those stews that your grandma makes. I want you to get out. And I know you love your father's house because it's your cousins and it's your uncles and you get together and you have your reunions and you play those family games. I want you to leave and go be something else to somebody else. And through you, I'll produce a nation who's supposed to con con constantly do that. Be a blessing to somebody else. Now, you remember when Jesus talked to his disciples? I want you to leave your mother, your father, your brother. In fact, in comparison to your love for me, hate them. When you compare your love for Jesus and your love for your father, people are going to be like, do you, what, do you hate your parents? No, I don't hate my parents, but if they're not on the same page as Jesus, there's going to be problems with me and my parents. There's going to be problems with me and my kids. There's going to be problems with me and my neighbor because I'm in hot pursuit of Jesus Christ and I'm not going to leave them alone about it. They don't want to hear it. They get upset when I bring it up. And so people are going to think, hey, what do you hate your dad? You keep bringing up Jesus and he hates talking about it. No, I don't hate my dad, but I know what it looks like that to you. But I can't stop talking about Jesus. 
I mean, isn't that what Jesus was instilling in his disciples? You have to leave what you're familiar with, leave what you're comfortable with, allow those comfort zones to kind of just, just leave them behind and go out and be uncomfortable for me. Have those uncomfortable conversations. That's the entire point of all of history. is so that the people who have been blessed by Jesus will now bless other peoples with Jesus. That's the point. Now, most of us in here aren't going to be missionaries in the foreign sense, go out to another world, but... There's so many people at our doorstep, guys, that we don't have to even leave to impact another nation for Jesus Christ. We can't leave this to the pastors. We can't leave this to the missionaries when it's, it's intrinsic to discipleship and being a church, right? So we have to find ways to connect with the world for Jesus. I want to leave you with this last point um, as soon as I heard about the shooting in Connecticut, my first instinct, you know, my first thought was, Jesus, just come back. You know, just, would you just wrap it all up and come? You know, and it's moments like this where you get the wrath part of Revelation where Jesus comes and raptures his church, but, but he, then he comes and it says he's got a sword and he's riding a horse and king of kings is like inscribed on his tie. Jesus has tattoos in the scene. It's symbolic though, so don't run and get. I'm just saying. And he's got this sword and he just starts hacking everybody down. And just He destroys all of the nations that rise and rage against him and he destroys them. And we're thinking like, man, I think of my neighbor, I think of people. But you think of people who hate God, who hate life. And are so evil that they would shoot up a bunch of little kids? Doesn't that make you mad? Doesn't that make you angry? What happens with this evil? What is God going to do about this? Oh, he's going to do. He's going to bring his recompense with him. And it's moments like that where I go, you know what? Let's wrap this up. Let's, I'm, ready, I'm, ready, I'm, I'm ready to enter the new phase, God. I'm, I'm ready to enter the place where, where it's not kids getting shot and school teachers... Having to hide, stack them in a closet or a bathroom and lock the door. I mean, what kind? This world is crazy, God. Just come back, Lord. And what's interesting is, as I texted that, I have friends, family, people I don't even know on on the Twitter feed. You know, like all these notes that people leave on there, and they're all saying the same thing. We're all quoting the same line from Revelation: "Lord Jesus, come. Lord Jesus, come." I mean, any other time, I don't really see this quoted, but this this is what's on people's hearts and minds: asking the Lord to come. John wrote the book of Revelation. And even though it's real scary and it's got all this stuff, at the end of it, second to last verse, he asked Jesus, come, come, wrap this up. You know, let's, let's take care of all this. I want you to come. But then I was reminded of an interesting passage. You don't have to turn there, I'll just read it to you. It's in Matthew 24, 14. Here's what Jesus tells his disciples. He's telling them about the end, when he's going to come. and He's going to wrap everything up and there's signs for that to happen. Listen to what he says. This gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. We spend time pouring through newspapers looking for the Antichrist when the greatest sign that Jesus is coming back is you telling your neighbor about him. 
Jesus isn't waiting for some politician to take over the Middle East. Jesus isn't waiting for them to come with up a technology to stick in our hands so they can scan us. Jesus isn't waiting for a guy to come and, and unite the world into a, a one currency. Jesus is waiting for the gospel to hit everybody that needs to be hit with, and then he'll come. So if we want Jesus to come, why are we quiet? I'm texting, Lord, come. And he's like, Lucas, preach. Lucas, share. Lucas, say something. <laughs> I went to the AA meeting that meets on Fridays, this past Friday. And like, here I am standing in front of you, right? And I know I'm wrapping it up now, but I can go for another hour, guys. I mean, this, I love this. We're just opening the word and we can just talk about it. And, it's, and I'll just go for it. Living Hope had a prayer vigil. Living Hope had a prayer vigil at the elementary school. And I just showed up and they're like, hey, and some of them knew me. And I just started praying like I've known them for years. But then I go to an AA group. And suddenly I'm like, uh, like uh, I'm like, this is not my territory. <laughs> I don't really know people here. Like, it's weird. It's awkward. I didn't stay very long. I'm like, oh, I'm just popping in just to say hi. You know, they invited me. I wasn't just like, hey, guys, I'm interrupting your AA. You know, they invited me. But even though they invited me, it was just it was kind of weird, you know. And I spent a few minutes. They sent me home with food, and they were real nice. I met a few of them. And I came home, and later at night, I'm getting into bed, and I just got hit. Why did I leave? You know, like, they invited me to be with Why didn't I hang out with them? Wouldn't have Jesus sat with them and had conversations and asked them, how's it going? Why not risk getting kicked out? Or not being asked back. Ask them if they're praying to a higher power and if that's working for them. <laughs> Ask them if they ever wondered if there's a specificity to this higher power and if it could possibly be Jesus Christ. Come out on Sunday and hear the message of Jesus and you might see that this is the power, the way, the truth, and the life. You can't run on this treadmill and try to drop the bottle yourself. You need something that's above you, beyond you, that can fill you and dwell you and truly change you. Why didn't I do that? I don't know, guys. Because I'm the same as the rest of you. We're, we get scared. We put our walls up. And we just, Lord Jesus, come. Lord Jesus, come. And he's like, do your job. Right? And so we read this passage and we're like, well, this is for the Jews. No, this wasn't for the Jews. This is for, for a people to carry the message of that seed to the world. Eventually it incorporated all who believe in that seed. So this promise is for us. To bless the nations with the message of Jesus Christ. I want to ask the worship team uh, to come forward.